you hardheads. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 25, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It is great to see all of you. It is great to be back at my setup, and it is great to be producing shows once more. Great to be producing content, and it's really nice to be sitting here to be once again talking about sports. Uh, for those of you who were in the know, the show was on hold while I went home and got a dental procedure done. That procedure was successful. Everything was fine. I had basically a wire from the top row of my permanent retainer pop and be sticking into the middle of my mouth, and I had that happen basically a couple of weeks ago, and it got worse last week, so I had to go home and fix it, and everything went well. The procedure went smoothly. They did a fantastic job. They essentially took everything apart and gave me a new permanent retainer in the top side of my mouth, and they did, again, they did a fantastic job. I couldn't be more pleased with it. Now I can talk normally. I can eat normally. I can basically go throughout my day without having the annoyance of being pricked by a tiny metal uh, wire in my mouth and I am incredibly relieved because it was very irritating it wasn't necessarily painful but it was very irritating so now I can come back I can do shows basically irritation free which is great for you and you can probably tell that I am over the moon today like I am really just in a relaxed mood I, I just want to talk some sports it's going to be a more relaxed show today. I'm breaking the cardinal sin of doing any vocal work, whether that's singing, talking, podcasting, acting, whatever. And I'm having dairy. I am having creamer in my coffee because I deserve it. And there's nobody, there's nothing that anybody could say that could deter me from that. So I'm going to have that coffee and we're going to have a chill show today. Going to be a little bit more unprofessional. Normally, I like to keep it serious, professional, keep it moving along. But today, I just want to have some fun, and I want to catch up on some sports news. Uh, again, I'm very thankful that the procedure went well. Uh, I couldn't be happier with the results. It was expensive, but it was worth it, and now we're back. And now we can ca uh, catch up on all the sports that we missed, which, <laughs> Jerry, you son of a you had to release the contract you had to finish the contract when i was physically unable to talk about it man i hate being late to the party that's honestly the worst but dak prescott got a new contract late on monday night and it sucks because i had the alex smith video scheduled for uh tuesday at 12 p.m and that video was immediately already outdated but hey you win some you lose some but dak prescott got absolutely paid on Monday night, four years. Take a listen to these numbers, and I really want you to digest these numbers because big numbers, okay? Four years, $160 million contract, $126 million guaranteed, including a $66 million signing bonus, which is, as of right now, the highest signing bonus in NFL history, with a record 30, uh, excuse me, $75 million due in year one. The first three years base salary is set at about $42 million. The deal will save the Cowboys $15 million in cap space by not signing Dak to a franchise tag, which would have been a $37 million cap hit. And the important thing to note that's not going to make the headlines is that this is actually a six-year contract with two voidable years to help spread out the cap hit. So how these contracts work, and it's not always in the news, but I think that it's important that it's that it's mentioned in this DAC contract signing, is that a lot of these bigger contracts have voidable years on them to help the team supplement and spread out the cap hit. So those two voidable years are not going to show up on the contract, even though they're essentially there and the main purpose of those two years on the back end of the contract is 
to help spread out the signing bonus and helps uh, spread out the cap hit that Dak is going to be inflicting on the Cowboys. And oh boy, <laughs> it is a lot. This is a massive contract. This I I said that Jerry Jones wasn't going to pay Dak Prescott. I said that Dak Prescott was going to be a free agent. And Jerry Jones, in complete Jerry Jones fashion, being the stubborn man that he is, I said, uh, we're going to get this contract done. And I, <laughs> I, that was probably the worst Jerry Jones impression that you've ever heard. But regardless of that, uh, they proved me wrong. They got this deal done. I still feel like Jerry Jones completely lost the contract war. I think if he paid him three years ago when Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who were fellow members of that QB draft class in 2016, when they were getting their contract extensions, I think if, if uh, Jerry Jones paid Dak back then, it would have been much better off for the financial security of the Cowboys. Uh, and it would have been a better price tag for Dak Prescott because the the debate is, is Dak Prescott worth $42 million? And the answer really is, Nuh-uh, he's not. He's not even close, in my opinion, to getting to being worth that $42 million cap hit. But again, it's not what he is worth. It's what the market is projecting. And the market for a quarterback in 2021, in 2021 is set at around $40 million. So that is the money that Dak was always going to get. Well, not always going to get, but that's the money that he was going to get regardless of his production on the football field this past season. I just feel horrible for Dak that he had to basically break his ankle in multiple places in order to be able to get a contract like this. Uh, it, it, but regardless of that, I am incredibly over the moon for Dak Prescott. I'm so happy that he got paid. I'm happy that he has that financial security now, and I don't think it could have happened to a nicer person, especially as the face of America's team with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I, I'm very thankful for Dak and what he's done for uh, mental health awareness, and I think he's a perfect leader for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you saw how lost and benign the Cowboys were without Dak Prescott last season. So in that sense, it's very good for Dak. It's very good for the Cowboys. And the deal is kind of actually mostly even when it comes to like the contract details in terms of like who, who won this deal. If you're looking for a winner, uh, the Cowboys get cap space up front and everybody's focused on the $42 million a year and the $160 million over those four years. But, you know, everybody tends to also forget that this is an extremely backloaded contract, as most contracts like this are. And they are basically centering all of this around. They're basing this contract around the new TV deal that is going to be occurring in about 2024 to 2025. So what what this allows both parties to do is Dak is going to be up for a contract extension during that period, and it also is going to give the Cowboys a better opportunity to sign him later in uh, the future because that $160, uh, $160 million, although it appears to be a gigantic number now, which it is, the way that the, cal the, the salary cap is going to increase over the next couple of seasons, and I'm expecting probably there to be a big boom after a pandemic laced football season there's going to be a big boom in the salary cap the salary cap space is going to really appreciate over the next couple of years and that 40 million that 42 million dollar a year is not going to look so bad in a couple of years um it, it's going to be a little bit difficult on the front side of things and that's why this this contract is so backloaded because the salary cap for this upcoming season was actually set on monday at 182.5 million which is an eight eight percent decrease from when it was last season so money is still tight, but you know this 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 deal is actually pretty even for both parties. Uh, there 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 are some areas that Dak Prescott got the advantage, and there's other areas in which the Cowboys probably got off more scot free than they should have. 
And again, uh, Jerry Jones was way too stubborn. He should have paid Dak three years ago, which would have been a better value for the product or the quality of the football on the field that Dak has been providing for the Cowboys. And sure, not everything is just about the quality of football on the field. What you do off the field and what you do for the locker room is definitely part of the equation as well. But uh, I'm just I'm incredibly surprised that Dak got paid. This is this deal is great for the players of the NFL. Dak Prescott showed that you can play the game, you can cheat the system, not necessarily cheat the system, but you could go against the system and you can win. Is everybody going to win like Dak Prescott is going to win? Or or has won, rather? Probably not. Um, And I think a lot of this still revolves around Jerry Jones' ego because even with his stubbornness and his reluctance to pay Dak over the last three seasons, I even feel like in this contract negotiation, Jerry is going to be like, you're not going to be able to outdo me. I'm going to... People think I'm not going to pay you. Well, I'm going to pay you. And it's just like, I, I just feel like that it's so big. Like everything in Texas is bigger, including contracts, I suppose, <laughs> for Dak Prescott. Um, now, what this means for the Cowboys moving forward, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think the Cowboys, the expectations are always set so high. And they for the last 25 years, the, the, the results have mostly been just disappointing uh, for the Cowboys. I think... With Dak Prescott, unless things change, you're going to be stuck in a in a in a rut of kind of mediocrity, uh, because the second biggest problem in Dallas is the is the head coach in Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy was never a good hire for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I think that Mike McCarthy makes that team very stagnant and very benign and doesn't really uh, inspire that football team to play good football. And I think that you saw that once their vocal leader and Dak Prescott got taken out last season, how Mike McCarthy was just unable to rally that football team. I think that should be a very good vocal point to focus on and a good storyline to focus on for the Cowboys for this next season. And look, I think the only way that, or not the only way, but one of the major steps that the Cowboys need to take in order to be better uh, next season and the the seasons moving forward is you're going to need to ditch Mike McCarthy. And for Jerry Jones, being the stubborn man that he is, that's probably going to take Jerry Jones probably two or three years extra than what it was uh, than, than necessary. I think you need to probably move on from Mike McCarthy at the end of next season, get a better coach in there because the offense is fantastic for the Cowboys. They've got so many good pieces. The defense is going to be shuffling around a little bit, but they're going to, they have the talent to be potentially really good as well. Uh, it really relies on uh, how good, I guess, or, or, or how how much chemistry this team can muster under Mike McCarthy. I think that's going to, regardless of, of Dak and how much he's getting paid, regardless of what he's going to be able to do on a football field, nothing is going to change unless the, the locker room and the chemistry changes for the Cowboys. And hey, look, mediocre is okay for the NFC East, apparently. I mean, Washington is the best team in that division. They're going to be the best team in that division, I think, moving forward for a couple of years. But with another with the addition of an addition with the, with the with the addition of an additional playoff slot, the Cowboys have their their better chances to be making the playoffs. So who knows? They might be a playoff team, but it's not going to be a very convincing playoff team, I think, until you move on from Mike McCarthy. But Dak's Pre- Dak Prescott's contract, fantastic for Dak. I'm happy for Dak. Um, it's it's a huge win for players of the NFL in terms of negotiating and um, what this means for contracts moving forward. Uh, Jerry officially lost the contract war. Sure, you're signing uh, a quarterback that you like for four years, but his production on the field has never been worth uh, the amount that he's being paid now. 
And um, you should have paid him three years ago, Jerry. That would have been a better price point, and you probably would have been better off financially now if you just weren't so stubborn and you signed him. But fantastic for Dak. The Cowboys probably got off a lot cleaner than they should have, especially with this contract situation. And we'll see if if we get a Jerry versus Dak part two in like three or four years when this new TV deal comes up and Dak is up for a contract extension again. So we're, we're we'll we'll see. We'll see how that develops over time. So I, I really wanted to talk about Dak Prescott today. Uh, I, I was absolutely floored when I had that notification come up on my phone of, of that contract coming through because, again, I did not think that Dak Prescott was going to get paid. I thought that Dak was a surefire free agent. And, well, I guess Jerry Jones proved me wrong. Again, the other thing that happened over the weekend – uh, that certainly just wasn't ex- as exciting as Dak getting a new contract uh, was the NBA All-Star night. Uh, it wasn't like an All-Star weekend because the I, I guess the NBA just didn't want to spend so much time putting on this gigantic events. But the NBA All-Star game happened over the weekend for those of you who knew that it was even happening at all. I mean, I believe I remember reading something like the NBA All-Star game drew less of an audience on TV than a shark tank episode that was in this, in the same time slot. Um, don't get me wrong. Shark tanks are fantastic show, but I, w- I was watching this all-star game and I was just bored. I-, I don't know if anybody else felt the same way. If you ended up watching this all-star game, I mean, you, you could have, you could have gone on YouTube and searched up the highlights of, the, of this all-star game and essentially gotten the same idea. I was utterly bored watching this All-Star game, and I just couldn't help going through my mind or, or having the thought go through my mind, just, is this all really necessary? And I kind of got the, the vibe that the players felt that too. It's like, is this all really necessary? And of course, there was a lot of talk by certain players leading up to it saying that the idea is stupid or that it shouldn't happen, and... The, the way that I would equate this and the way that I would compare this, it's like you're eating dinner at a fine dining restaurant. And, you know, you've had your meal. It, it's fine. Uh, you, you, maybe you, you, you didn't quite like what you ordered, but the food quality was still good. And the waiter comes and he says, would you like some dessert? And in this case, the NBA All-Star Game is dessert. Now, you don't always need dessert. You don't always want dessert. But sometimes you get dessert anyways, because why not, you know? And so in this comparison, in this situation, the uh, the NBA All-Star Game is the dessert. The waiter comes back with your dessert, and you eat the dessert, and you're like, is this really worth the calories? Is this is this worth the, me with a bellyache lying on my couch at home after I get home from this fancy dinner? It's like, sure, it's dessert, it's nice to have, it tastes good, but... Or, or, or in this case, it's it's kind of just meh. It's nice to have, but you don't necessarily need it. And after the fact, you just you just feel unfulfilled in the fact that you had dessert when you didn't necessarily need to. Again, a lot of people, especially in America, if if, if a waiter comes up to you and say, "Hey, hey, do you want dessert?" It's like, do I want dessert? Do I need dessert? No. Do I want dessert? Maybe. You, you kind of get the comparison that I'm going for here. It's 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 the NBA All-Star game was boring. And I felt like even though I didn't necessarily need an All-Star game this season, the NBA players didn't need an All-Star game this season. And, you know, one person wanted an All-Star game this season, and that was Adam Silver. 
Um, and I can understand, again, why the All-Star Game happened. Obviously, it's a great financial success, or more, most of the time it is a financial success for the NBA. And, of course, a lot of the proceeds uh, of the All-Star Game this year went to uh, beneficiaries for charities and everything, which is fantastic. Like, I will always applaud Adam Silver for doing things like that with the NBA. It's fantastic. The charitable work is is incredible consistently. But still... Uh, the point, uh, my the point I keep going back to is I'm watching this All Star game and I'm like, I mean, is this really necessary? Like I'm bored out of my mind. I am bored with my dessert. It should be sweet. It should be enticing. It should be entertaining. But it just wasn't. And again, it calls back to it. Did you? Did we really actually need the All Star game this season? And my answer would be no. You didn't need the all-star game this season. Uh, the dunk contest was underwhelming. They need to do, and, and, and obviously we've been spoiled as basketball fans with uh, Blake Griffin and Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon over the past, I would say, seven to eight years of dunk contest. But this year just had no pizzazz. And sure, a, a byproduct of that is only having 1,500 people in the, the arena as opposed to an arena full of fans um, but just everything about this night, the the three-point contest, the three-point contest was actually probably the best thing, Steph winning on the last shot. Whether it came to the three-point contest or the dunk contest or the All-Star game itself, I mean, the the headline coming out of the All-Star game for Gianna, uh, uh, for, for this All-Star game was, hey, Giannis went perfect from the field. Who cares? I mean, it, it just, it was boring. And I let me get this straight. I love basketball. I love basketball. I love watching basketball. I find it entertaining. I think the skill that it takes to play basketball is enticing. And normally, I'm watching the All-Star game, and I'm thinking, just, wow, these guys are so talented. But I, I hope some of you agree with me in saying, like, this entire night just lacked pizzazz, and I'm not sure what it, what it was. Was it just the lack of fans? Was it the lack of willingness by the players? Was it just the, the reality that something like this is going to be dull in a COVID world that we all live in daily? I don't know. It was just boring. The dessert that is the NBA All-Star Game was just boring. It wasn't sweet. It wasn't, satisfy it wasn't satisfying. And at the end, when we're writing the check to the NBA, or we're finishing our check and we're leaving that the restaurant, it's like, man... We really could have gone without, you know, having dessert. And the other thing is, is that sure, they, they got through that night with nobody testing positive for coronavirus, as far as I'm aware. I believe that was a, a headline coming out after uh, the festivities that ended is that nobody tested positive, which is fantastic. But you also would have had no positives if the game wasn't held to begin with. And these players got to have extra rest instead of being forced into doing a dunk contest and a three-point contest in an all-star game. Which, again, there were some highlights in that game. You know, Steph and, and Dame trading uh, half-court three-point shots was intense to watch. But other than that, and again, you know, the proceeds going to beneficiaries and the structure of the all-star game was fine. But it just, it lacked pizzazz. It was boring to watch. And I just couldn't help but thinking that or couldn't help but think that, man, we just didn't need this. We didn't need this, although I understand that financially the NBA probably really needed uh, an All-Star game. But uh, it was boring, and I'm, I'm sad to say that it was boring. Uh, I'm interested to, if you guys watched it, 
let me let me know what you thought of it. I I was underwhelmed, and it's really sad to say because I think again, as I said, I love basketball. I love seeing the skill of these young players, uh, or and some of the older players. Um, I was I was really disappointed in all of that. And now some other basketball news coming out of this weekend was that Blake Griffin is joining the Brooklyn Nets and. Man, if you thought that the Brooklyn Nets couldn't get any better, you'd be wrong. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the 2021 Brooklyn Nets are borderline unprecedented. And I was thinking a lot about this when I heard this news. Is that Because because regardless of, of Blake Griffin currently, you got to remember that Blake Griffin is a six-time All-Star. Uh, he's a freak athlete, and he has been put in a horrible position, or he was in a horrible position in Detroit where most of the offense had to go through Blake, and Blake has never truly been that sole offensive player. Um, so he was put in a bad situation, he was hurt in Detroit, and he was never able to live up to the six-time All-Star precedence that he had about himself. So in that case, when it comes to Blake Griffin... The person and the player, I'm happy that he's joining the Nets. I think he deserves some success, and I I would want Blake Griffin to get a championship ring uh, because with the Clippers, the, the struggles with the Clippers and all of that and wasting away in Detroit the past few seasons, that's got to be rough on the guy. But I was thinking about the package as a whole and how this compared to the Warriors dynasty that the NBA, at, at least for the moment in time, appears to be moving away from. And I thought about, and I even went further back, and I thought, okay, Celtics big three, Miami big three, um, it Spurs big three. Technically, although the term big three wasn't around when Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan and uh, Kawhi were all together, you know, I'm going back and looking at all these super teams, and it appeared that after KD went to Brooklyn, that the te- that the the idea of the three man super team was kind of dissipating in the NBA. It started to become packages of twos: um, Steph and Clay, KD, LeBron, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, um, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, it felt like the NBA was moving back to the two-man all-star team as opposed to just one ginormous super team and then the field. And here come the Brooklyn Nets being just this unprecedented monstrosity of basketball athleticism and skill. uh, Probably two of the best scorers to ever play the game in James Harden and Kevin Durant and one of the best ball handlers to ever play the game in Kyrie Irving. And now you're adding Blake Griffin, which is a six-time All-Star, and he's not a scrub despite the scrubbiness that he's been subjected to over the last couple of seasons in Detroit. And also, there are news that uh, Andre Drummond could also be joining uh, the Brooklyn Nets, although that has not been confirmed. It's just rumors at this point. It's hearsay. And, you know, taking all of this information in, it's just the Brooklyn Nets just appear to be this unprecedented monstrosity in the NBA, even more so than the Golden State Warriors were in their in their dynasty run between 2014 to 2017, 2018. It, like, and, and the difference is, is the, the Warriors were homegrown. Steph was drafted. Clay was drafted. Draymond was drafted. The only piece that they really brought in that made them one of the best teams ever in the history of the NBA was that acquisition of Kevin Durant. The Brooklyn Nets, for the most part, have built this entire team through trades and free agency. Most of their their draft capita that they had drafted well over the last two seasons, whether that be 
you know, well, D'Andre Russell was traded to Brooklyn, but I'm talking um, uh, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, some of those young guns, Rondé Hollis Jefferson that got moved into uh, to Brooklyn. Those guys are gone now. And it's really just a super team built on free agency and trading in a way that the NBA hasn't quite seen probably since I would I would argue the Boston Celtics big three got together in 2008. And it's unprecedented. And if you remember, one of the big things about the Warriors and one of the big underlying storylines about the Warriors when they were in their dynasty was you can't trade. You can't give the Warriors a center, a big center. Because if you do, then it'll be all over. And I'm not saying that Blake Griffin is going to be that massive big guy center that the Brooklyn Nets would need to, you know, provide some better defense and really bring some size to the lineup. Because he's not. He's 6'9", and he's more offensively um, talented than he is defensively defensively talented. That's what DeAndre Jordan is there for. And especially if Andre Drummond comes into the fold, then that's why everybody's thinking that this team is going to be unstoppable. But you compare these two teams... And sure, the record the records may not be comparable at this point, but when you look at the pure talent, and especially in a season in which COVID is changing things constantly, the Brooklyn Nets are an unprecedented basketball team. And it's incredible to kind of watch develop, because as I said, Stephen Curry was drafted. Klay Thompson was drafted and developed by Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Those guys were developed and grew into a super team with a couple of free agency acquisitions. The Brooklyn Nets had their draft, had their drafted players, and then traded them all away in free agency and trade and trades to build this monstrosity of a super of a super team that looks more like a, a USA Olympic basketball team than anything else. It's it's I guess the point that I'm trying to make is is that I don't know if this team is going to be better than the Golden State Warriors. I don't want to I don't want to hedge my bets on that yet. I mean, there's a lot to be left to be seen. And sure, it's not like Blake Griffin is going to be able to come in and adjust automatically, but the way that the Brooklyn Nets are building this team and the speed in which it's been done is unprecedented. And they might they at the end of the day when you when you look at the roster for each team there's going to be conversations for a long time, especially if the Brooklyn Nets win a championship this year, as to who is actually the better team. 2015-2016 or 2014-2015 or, or Golden State Warriors or these 2021 uh, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, happy for Blake Griffin, but man, the Brooklyn Nets are just a, a monstrosity of basketball athleticism, and it's unprecedented. I don't, In my 23 years of being on this earth, I don't remember anything like this before. And it's interesting again that this is happening after it appeared like the NBA was going into two pairs, you know, having two superstars in a given market all competing against each other. And now we've gone from two in each market to four all-stars on one team, uh, potentially more. Um, it's a scary sight to see. I, I really want to hear your take on this for you basketball fans below. Uh, whether or not you feel like this team has the potential to jump over uh, the precedence and and the historical significance of those Warriors teams in the middle two thousand uh, middle twenty tens, uh, and where this compares to the Super Team, this is a new brand of Super Team. This is a new brand of Super Team, and it's it's unprecedented. I know I keep using that word, but it's hard to quantify just like what the Brooklyn Nets are doing, um, and and you know the people that they're adding to the roster. And the thing is, is that Blake Griffin is pretty cheap too. He's he, he's using up one of those 
veteran minimum contracts. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today, um, and to be to be clear, there is going to be more content coming out uh, as you know the day comes out. Uh, I'm going to record a front office frenzy segment for tomorrow. I debated on whether or not I want to have a gigantic show today, uh, catching up over everything that I missed over the last couple days. I, I thought about it. And I recognize that, huh, maybe it's better if I just ease myself back into it and I post content over the next couple of days. So there is going to be a front office frenzy coming out tomorrow. I'm going to record that separately at some point. Uh, and then we're going to see what the sports world has news, news-wise moving on from there. But um, So I decided to keep it fairly short today. And the last thing that I want to talk about, it's a little bit late. Uh, it's about a week late, I think, at this point. But uh, Big Ben uh, Roethlisberger got a new contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we talked about this before on the show, uh, not very much, but enough to get the point across. It's like, what is Big Ben, what what does Bet, Big Ben rather do for the Pittsburgh Steelers that another player could not do? Is Because it, 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 it's not necessarily athleticism at this point. It's not arm strength. Experience, sure, you can make that argument. But what Roethlisberger is to the Steelers more than anything else is a security blanket. He is a security blanket in the pads of a football player. He is an assurance that you don't have to go into the future yet. He's an assurance that you don't have to worry about finding your next quarterback. He's an assurance that as an organization, you do not have to flip the switch from contending to rebuild. That is what Big Ben Roethlisberger is to the Steelers. And it's not like Ben is the best quarterback in the NFL at this point. I think he's probably top 15 still, but he is not, you know, what he once was, obviously. But regardless of that, the the prospect of having to move on from a quarterback that's been your quarterback for so many years and having to move into the future with two players in Dwayne Haskins Jr. or J- Senior Jr., Dwayne Haskins and uh, Mason Rudolph, the prospect of having to go into that future and have to not only fix your salary cap situation, but fix your football team overall is concerning. And that's more or less, I think, the reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben Roethlisberger decided to run it back for another year. Uh, the move uh, to restructure Roethlisberger's contract saves about $15 million in cap space for Roethlisberger this year. Uh, and that's exactly what the Steelers needed. They they have a bad cap situation, and especially since the salary cap uh, depreciated in value down uh, 8% to $182.5 million. This is definitely something that they needed to do, and it's probably going to benefit the Steelers moving forward. And what what's not written here, again, is that there's extra void years in, uh, in the contract. We talked a lot earlier about how Dak Prescott's new contract is six years technically, although it's it's four years and those two years extra are voidable years. There's, there's a couple of voidable years of the contract here for, ben, uh, for Ben's contract as well. Uh, and that's going to help the Steelers and their cap situation as well. So, you know, the, the question always was, again, what does Big Ben do for your football team as a player that no other player in the NFL currently could do for the Pittsburgh Steelers? And the answer, again, as I said then, as it is now, is security. He brings some security. 
He brings some comfortable. He, he he makes the the franchise comfortable in a situation in which they would otherwise be very uncomfortable and shaky moving forward. And a lot of people are saying, look, Ben is washed up. He can't do it anymore. He he he's not the quarterback that he once was. And I agree. Uh, I think it's a little insulting to call him just a game manager at this point. I've heard that term thrown around a couple times as well. Um, sure, I mean, Big Ben may not be the, the, the starting talent that he was before, and people are maybe questioning why the Steelers just aren't moving on from Roethlisberger, and they're saying, well, look, he's just not that good anymore. It's going to be a waste of a season. Look, I see it as if the Steelers didn't sign Roethlisberger, it would have been a waste of a season as well. Because I am not confident in Dwayne Haskins, I'm not confident in Mason Rudolph, and the Steelers really aren't in a position at this point to get a quarterback that can move them into the future unless they want to trade for Sam Darnold and the Jets. Again, we talked about this on the show uh, last Thursday. The Jets are very hush-hush about what they're doing with their quarterback situation, and they're going to continue to be hush-hush in their quarterback situation closer up until the draft so they can artificially inflate the asking price of that second overall pick if they do decide to keep Darnold. So the options for the Steelers at this point are not so great, um, especially with the quarterbacks that are on the roster. So whereas other people are saying, oh, the Steelers are wasting a football season. They're, they're too you know strung up or hung up on Big Ben. They need to move on from Ben. He's not that great of a quarterback. I'm sitting here saying I completely understand why the Steelers don't want to move on because he provides that Steelers team security. He provides them a leader in the locker room. He provides them uh, stability uh, in terms of, I guess, experience in the locker room as well. He's a very experienced quarterback. And I, I do think that he's not the quarterback that he was. Obviously, he struggled at times last year, but he's still probably a top 15 quarterback in this league. And uh, it's it's very hard to find a good quarterback in the NFL these days. So I can absolutely understand why the Steelers kept Big Ben around. I, I, I can understand why they wanted to restructure the contract. And really, the again, I keep coming back to the central idea, the central question. What does Big Ben bring the Steelers? He brings some security, and that's really what the Steelers need right now, especially in a year where you you started off eleven and five, or, or eleven and one rather. You finished eleven and five, and you got the lights beaten out of you uh, by the Browns in the wild card round. You would want to run it back. You'd want to try to stabilize the football team that you had as much as possible before you flip that switch from contending to rebuild. And the Steelers are always a team that wants to stay in the contending picture as long as possible. They're a team that consistently has stayed in the contending picture as long as possible. And I think that their situation at quarterback is not stable enough to them to be reason to reasonably able to say, okay, we can we can let go of Big Ben at this point. So that's the idea. That's why the Steelers kept Big Ben's contract. I don't understand why people are now saying, "Oh, the Steelers made a mistake. They they're wasting their season here." I said, I because the way that I see it, I don't think they really had any other choice other than to try and work with Big Ben to try and uh, change the contract a little bit save some money, and then try and fix the rest of the team. I don't think they could have done it any other way. I don't feel like they had any other comfortable options besides this one. If any of you out there have any rebuttals to this or have any other ideas on what the Steelers could have, do, could have done, maybe if you are a Steelers fan yourself, uh, let me know. But in my mind, just taking a look at the Steelers as a football team, I just don't see any other way this could have been done. So 
uh, that Big Ben and his security blanket are might just be what the uh, what the Pittsburgh Steelers need right now in a division that is getting increasingly tougher. You're going to need that experience at some point. Um, and although I think you know big, this is probably Big Ben's last year. Uh, it'll give the Steelers a lot more time to be able to. Uh, find a replacement quarterback for Roethlisberger because I imagine the Steelers were like, okay, we're at some point last year. I imagine the Steelers were like, okay, we're eleven, we're eleven and zero. We are probably going to go to the Super Bowl this year, and then everything crumbled beneath them, and then they weren't in the Super Bowl. And I'm sure that at some point they had ideas that okay, we're the best team in the league. Ben could go out on a big bang with a Super Bowl ring, and then it just didn't happen. And uh, I feel like this all caught the Steelers by surprise in a way. And in it, under that same line of thinking, I still, it, it just adds to my argument that it's like the Steelers really couldn't have done anything else in this point if they want to remain competitive, uh, which is, is perennially just what the Steelers tend to do, tend to want to do is just remain competitive. Um, and be the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have always been a competitive football team. So, and, uh, that's the end of the show today. Thank you all so much for listening. As I said, there is going to be additional content coming out later. I'm going to record that separately, kind of ease myself back into making content because obviously everything about creating a show like this is about routine, routine, routine. So we're going to make some content over the next couple of days. Make sure that you're on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening. I know it's been a long time since we've had a show. This will all be up on Spotify momentarily. I'm actually recording this a little bit later in the day, so it might come out a little bit later. But regardless of that, um, I hope that you all have a fantastic Wednesday Hope or whenever. You are going to be listening to this. Thank you so much for all the support. As always, this has been the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast hosted by me, Nick Ryan. And on behalf of myself, stay hard-headed. But have a nice day.